Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Saving Minds. I'm your co-host, Shanti Skiffington. And hello, I'm Dr. Elliot Goldstein. So in this special edition of our podcast, Elliot and I are going to discuss uh, some new and exciting work to develop a diagnostic test for the new coronavirus, which I recognize as a radical breakaway from our usual focus on treatments for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease, but ironically, and Elliot's going to help us understand this, the research driving the search for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's is also informing the search for a reliable serology test for COVID-19. So Elliot, if we could just run through a few of the technical terms that we're going to be using in this podcast, um, we're going to be referring to the family of coronaviruses. Uh, and we're going to be referring to this new bad family member, uh, the one that's responsible for uh, COVID-19, the disease, yep. um, which we're also referring to as the new coronavirus. So maybe just quickly run through these terms so we don't lose our audience. Sure. Um, so it, a really important point. So coronaviruses are a family of, of viruses that physically have the sort of corona around them consisting of spiky proteins, hence the you know, hence the name. Well, it's a family that con contains several family members, like the SARS viruses. Uh, the common cold is a coronavirus. Today, we're talking about the new coronavirus, new family member, recently appeared, new family member that's responsible for the disease we call COVID-19. So we're going to learn the difference between a diagnostic test for coronavirus and a serology test for the coronavirus. Um, but um, as we're now learning, a serology test is going to be what's critical to helping us restart our way of life. And currently, we don't have a great serology test that can help do this. So let's just dive in. And maybe, Elliot, we can just begin with distinguishing between the two kinds of tests. So we have a diagnostic test for COVID right now. But what we need to restart society is a serology test. So can you help us just understand the difference? Sure. And, and thanks for that good summary because, you know, you've hit on it. So the diagnostic test for the disease, COVID-19, um, is a test that tests for the presence of the virus in an individual who's suffering from a cold-like sy uh, syndrome, um, not sure if it's COVID, maybe at high risk or whatever. So there you're looking to see in the patient's, actually it's detected in the patient's uh, mucus discharges in the nay, in the nose, basically. Um, you're looking for the presence of the virus itself. Am I, is this flu-like syndrome? Is it COVID, is it the COVID-19 virus? Or is it just the flu or a common cold or something else? And that's really important. So, so basic diagnostic for coronavirus. For coronavirus, for the disease. For the disease. And that's, and that's important. We're today, though, we're going to talk about a second very important test called a serological test. Um, when an individual is infected with any virus, but in this case, we're talking about the virus causing COVID-19, after all the suffering and problems and hopefully recover, recovery, as the patients are recovering and over the ensuing weeks, one of the reasons you're recovering is because your immune system is creating antibodies that are highly specific uh, for the virus causing COVID-19. So, so that's great. So this serology test is kind of the next step toward resuming 
our regular activities because this serology test can say, okay, this person has had the virus, they have antibodies, therefore they're not at risk for infecting someone else, or this person is still at risk because they have no antibodies for the virus and therefore should continue to main- maintain some kind of safeguards. Is that accurate? Absolutely. That's that, that's a good way to sum, uh, sum it up. Okay. Um, so now on to serology tests that are available. So I was just reading an article this morning, actually, where the former head of the CDC called the existing supply of serology tests junk and said that future tests, the majority of them will also be junk. Why is he saying this? Well, I think he's saying it because he's got a real concern about the quality of serological tests uh, generally and the quality of serological tests in this case. Um, Why is that? It's really important, obviously, to be able to detect in your serological test the presence of antibodies, that's why it's also called an antibody test, okay? You're testing for antibodies in the patient. Um, it's really important to be able to very accurately and specifically identify the presence or absence of antibodies against the coronavirus. Why is that important? Um, it's important because an individual, take a, a frontline care worker, for example, um, who's exposed often uh, and repeatedly to the virus, if that individual, if we can, uh, with our serological test, accurately determine whether that person has antibodies and then immunity are protected against COVID virus, two fundamental things emerge from that. Um, One, that individual is protected. So if he or she is on the front line treating patients or screening patients or is close to, uh, you know, close to that setting, that person has very little, actually close to zero chance of contracting coronavirus responsible for COVID-19 again. They're protected, so they're safe. Secondly, they don't have virus in their body. They have antibodies neutralizing it. They also do not represent a risk of spreading it in the community or with their patients. So the real problem, getting back to answering your question, I apologize, Shanti, but that was important to say why it's so important. Well, the real issue is it's the tests available so far really don't have the specificity needed. And that's a real problem. They cannot, yes, go go ahead. ahead. Well, I Uh, was just going back to that notion of specificity. That means these they can't be specific for the actual new coronavirus. Um, And that's because there is a family of coronaviruses out there. Um, One being the common cold, that's a coronavirus. So tell me about this family of viruses and why it's important to be very selective for the coronavirus, the new coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, Bottom line, the question we want to answer is, has this patient been exposed to coronavirus? Do they have immunity against coronavirus um, and not another coronavirus? Here's the issue. Um, it's, it's been estimated by some experts that up to 50% of the general population has, been expo- uh, has antibodies against the coronavirus causing the common cold. Most wow. of us have that. We've all had common colds. That's fine. Um, However, because that coronavirus is very similar, not identical, but very similar in structure and composition to the the coronavirus causing COVID-19, your serological test must be able to distinguish between those two types, the antibodies against 
those two types of virus. So let's take an individual, for example, in practical terms, how does that sort of flesh out? This real issue about cross-reactivity. Is your um, uh, serological test sensitive and specific only for COVID-19 virus and not for other coronaviruses? Um, and here's sort of the practical implication, of course, is, is uh, again, I gave my you know, care worker or, or just general population, if you've been exposed to coronavirus and we're able to detect the antibodies, we know you're protected. Okay, we've made that point. However, if, you're, if, it, if, if your serological test is not specific enough and it detects relatively frequently coronaviruses, then it would be detecting presence of the cold, uh, the, the, the antibodies against the coronavirus causing the cold, for example. Maybe it detects your COVID viruses, COVID-19 viruses as well, but you won't know. You absolutely won't know. And you know, it's estimated that potentially the, 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 the presence of the you know, exposure to coronavirus in the general population is maybe you know, single-digit percents, like 1% or 2%, versus 50% with, with uh, 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 approximately 50% with uh, 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 exposure, prior exposure to uh, the cold virus, like many of us. That test then is junk. It can't distinguish between the two. You don't know if you're protected. You've got antibodies against coronavirus. That's what your, your poor test would show, but you don't know which one. So okay. look at the risk. It's probably the cold, but you don't know. It's much more prevalent. Right. So if it's not specific, you don't know. You don't know what behavior is appropriate. Can I go out again? Am I protected? Will I infect others? Right. So that's why the past director of the CDC is saying most of the serological testing right now is junk. It cannot differentiate between the large family of coronaviruses to figure out if you have the coronavirus. Um, and we need, we need a better way. So Promise Neurosciences has typically been involved in Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease research. Why do you find yourself in the middle of the quest to find a serologic test for coronavirus? Yeah, a great question, uh, because of course, even the name of our podcast is Saving Minds, so it's really about neurodegenerative diseases. Um, But that's because we're focusing, or we focused, and we'll continue, of course, focus our core competency on those diseases. But our core competency is not disease-specific. Our core competency is, is reflected in our ability to identify sites, we call them disease-specific epitopes, a nice big word, but sites and areas of proteins that are specific to the the disease or the entity we want to address um, and make good targets for antibodies, make good targets for immunology. So in the case of the neurodegenerative diseases, we were looking at these bad actor proteins, these misfolded proteins, identifying What's different about them compared to their normal or physiological version? The differences are extremely subtle. Our technology allows us to visualize the sites of these epitopes, these targets, these differences, but more importantly, or just as importantly, the shape of these sites. So now that's exactly what we're doing as we look to address the protein corona uh, the spiky proteins that form the corona around the coronavirus. And what is different, if you like, and specific about the, co- the virus causing cor- COVID-19 versus other coronaviruses. And we will identify the site and shape of these potential exciting targets and use them 
as the basis of a serological test. So interestingly, this is really addressing serological testing, identifying antibodies in patients, patients who have developed antibodies specifically against this disease, is right in our wheelhouse because it's it's addressing protein issues, not specifically disease issues. Is that clear? It makes sense. So you're the protein guys. You focus on on selectively targeting the right part of proteins. And if I'm understanding correctly, it sounds like with this, you know, I guess so-called next generation serology test, you will be able to target the right part of the protein halo around the new coronavirus. And therefore, you know, from there, I'm guessing you've got several opportunities. Maybe, Maybe you could run through those. Yeah. Um, well, actually, we currently have five slightly different constructs of these targets. So actually, um, I'm going to use a big word now called peptide antigen. Listen, these targets are made up of a number of amino acids, which are the constituents of all proteins, including the spiky proteins on the coronavirus, okay? Um, and uh, not only is our, does our technology allow us to locate a specific site or area of the protein that is worth investigation, worth attacking, worth developing, if you like, but also the shape of that area. And we have five such shape-specific constructs. What we do then, and what we're in the process of doing, is synthesizing those. That's pretty straightforward. It takes a few weeks of work to do. Synthesizing those five constructs and then using them as the basis of a serology test. So how does that work? If one of those constructs is highly specific for the the virus causing COVID-19, then if we come, if we, what, what we would look to do is to see in the serum of a patient who's recovered from the disease, is there selective and exclusive binding of the antibodies in their serum to the construct, uh, this constructed epitope or target. And that's done um, using a highly sensitive technique called SPR, which evaluates the binding of an antibody to its target. So what do you want to do? You want to look at two types of serum. In an individual patient, uh, uh, ideally to test that, and that's what we're going to be doing with uh, Dr. Frickman in his Uh, his renowned serological testing lab at the University of British Columbia, what we're going to do then is look at the binding or lack of binding of one the targets uh, I've just talked about to antibodies in serum from patients before they've contracted COVID. If there's any binding, and we know they haven't had COVID-19, excuse me, if we see any binding in that setting, we know we're binding not to COVID-19 because they haven't been exposed, um, but to other coronaviruses. In other words, the test is not specific. Converse, so what we should see in the serum of, a, of an individual for whom we know has never had exposure to COVID-19, we should see no binding whatsoever if our the target epitope, this peptide antigen, if you like, is specific, highly specific for the COVID-19 virus. Now we look at serum from a patient from the same individual, ideally, to test it, but uh, from a patient we know has been exposed to COVID-19, has been diagnosed, they've recovered, they should have antibodies against COVID-19. We should see binding then 
only to those, those, those antibodies, only to the serum from those patients. So to sum it up really simply, there's several different outcomes of a serological test, right? Your, your, your test could show binding to no binding at all. It just doesn't work. So there's three outcomes, right? Nothing at all. Just doesn't work. Okay. Try something else. Two, your, your test could show binding to serum that's never been exposed to COVID-19, in which case it's off target, if you like, right? It's, it's showing binding to, say, a flu virus or another coronavirus. That's not what we want. And so, that's like, and that, just to interrupt you, that's like the serological tests that are out there right now. Correct. They, they, they may detect COVID-19, but it's not specific enough. So right. you don't know, are you detecting COVID-19 virus or other coronaviruses? What's right. going on? And there's right? a high, so there's a high false positive, false negative rate. Yeah. So what you want to see is no binding to serum, whether we know there's been no exposure to COVID-19 and binding to serum as highly sensitive and specific binding to serum from patients who we know have recovered from COVID-19. If that's the case, now you have a test that's not junk. You have a test that's highly sensitive, but more importantly, specific for the virus causing COVID-19 with no cross-reactivity, no false positive signal that it's binding or detecting the flu, uh, not the flu, excuse me, the cold coronavirus, for example. Well, so um, we're at about, you know, our time for our podcast today, but I think as all of our listeners, I'm sure can agree, this is very exciting, very hopeful We've learned a lot about the difference between a diagnostic test for the virus versus an antibody test or a serologic test for the antibodies after someone has been infected. Um, and we'll look forward to following this. And I'm sure we'll do some deep dives with Dr. Frickman as his research continues. Absolutely. I look forward to that. As you said, this is a developing story. I mean, so is the entire COVID-19 uh, pandemic, if you like. It's a story that's not going away that we need to address. And, you know, we're excited at Promise and in collaboration with Dr. Frickman to play our part as a responsible biotechnology uh, company with highly, you know, with unique technology to see how that may, may be applied. That's our role as it relates to COVID-19 and the pandemic. So look forward to further discussions. Thank you, okay. Sean. Thank you.